0: All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are going to be talking about Bloodshot, which is the newest Vin Diesel action comic book movie, which was the last movie, pretty much, to hit theaters before everything shut down, also one of the first movies to... Uh, get redistributed through VOD in a early release for 1999, which is a gamble that maybe didn't quite pay off, but there are other movies that followed suit, and now we're starting to see some of the the other, you know, technically still in theaters new releases getting uh, shuffled around to VOD releases, and so uh, we figured we might as well cover this one. And with me is returning guest Sean Malloy from the I Must Break This Podcast podcast. And, uh, we had a fun time talking about it. It's, I, honestly, I didn't think it was the best movie in the world. I, I'm hit and miss with these kinds of Vin Diesel movies. Uh, if they're as ridiculous as ridiculous can be, I love them. If they aim a little too serious and too, you know, quote unquote, good, I start to lose track a little bit. This one kind of falls in the middle somewhere. But I did have fun talking about it. And I had mixed fun time with the movie itself. But we'll get into that within the conversation. Before we do get into that conversation, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together in your podcast app of choice. You can, of course, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Pod chaser and podcast addict now, uh, and also Pod Chaser is still running a promotion where if you leave a review, they're going to donate twenty five cents to Meals on Wheels, which is awesome. That's just you getting to donate money for free just by leaving us a review and letting us know what you think of the show. And we would really appreciate it if you did that because we want to know what you're thinking of the show. Do you want us to cover more of these kinds of movies, the uh, the major releases that are getting shuffled around and fit in wherever hollywood could seem to find a way to get them to us or do you want us to maybe shift the focus a little bit to vod and netflix movies or continue the missing pieces series where we're looking at older movies you know we, we love hearing from you guys so get in touch you can leave us that review on podchaser or on apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to uh podcasts but on podchaser you end up donating 25 cents for free so that's a pretty good place to do your review. So you can also, of course, just get in touch with us on social media at PiecingPod. Pod. Join the Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. We love we love talking to you guys, so get in touch. So uh, let's jump into this conversation now about Bloodshot. And uh, we will have a special follow-up to this um, coming in a few days with a very special guest. <music> All right, so back on the show with us today. It's been a little while since his last time joining us, but we have got Sean Malloy. How's it going, Sean? I'm doing well.
1: I'm doing well. This is uh, this is gonna be a fun one to uh to chat about because I'll just say it right now. I I had a lot of fun with this one. This this was fun. <laughs> it, it got some kind of mixed reviews, but um, I I had a good time with it.
0: Yeah, I I definitely had mixed feelings about it. I'll just say that going into it. But I definitely I definitely had some fun with it, though, especially uh, in the second half. When, once it really got going, I think, um, you know, I one thing about Vin Diesel, I'll say this right at the top of the show, about his kind of a movie is the, the crazier it gets and the more off the rails it gets, the more fun I have. And that's why I enjoy these, you know, the latest Fast and Furious movies. I especially enjoyed the last Triple X movie. Uh, and so I, I was hoping for that i think this started off a little slow but then as we get into it and we'll get into it in the conversation uh it it got pretty crazy
1: (laughs) well you know and actually i'm i I guess i'm kind of different from you in that sense i'll admit right now i am not the uh uh i'm not the biggest fast and the furious fan um Uh, i'll take that back actually i I take that back i um i liked the first fast and the furious because uh, i think it was a little more grounded (laughs) then sure. <laughs> the series has become um, it was pretty much it was a blatant uh, point break ripoff. Um, mm. But uh, I enjoyed the first one for what it was. I think Vin Diesel was great in it. He had a great uh, chemistry with Paul Walker, of course. Um, the series, the, the the entire Fast and the Furious series. I mean, that right there, I think you could deconstruct that. And that could be a, a podcast because it's just gotten so Ridiculous. I mean, if you really look at the Fast and the Furious series, it started out as a, um, like I said, a point break ripoff where they're ripping off trucks and getting DVD players and whatever. Uh-huh. And suddenly now it's this super spy, you know, espionage, <laughs> ridiculous thing that um, has, I, I think I tapped out of that franchise about three movies ago. So. You know
0: the funny, the funniest thing is that this movie Bloodshot that we're about to talk about is a superhero movie, but there's very little difference between this and the last Fast and Furious movie. I mean, this is basically what they're already doing in those movies because it's just it's so completely out of control. They're they're they've lost all all level of humanity, all level of anything connecting it to like being real life at this point.
1: Well, there there is not an original. Uh, bone in this in this entire movie i mean this is this movie is a complete um amalgam and hodgepodge of Mm -hmm. various other movies dating back from the 70s and 80s and everything which only makes sense because uh as i was texting you the other day um i i do have a little bit of a a background it's not, not a big one um but i do have a little bit of background of the with the uh, uh, uh comic book on which this was based and if you look at the comic book the comic book is the same thing i mean it's just yeah uh, it's it's there there's nothing original about the character it's just it's a it's a little bit of deadpool it's a little bit of cable a little bit of punisher and it's just all put into the, into this one character so saying that the movie is not original only makes sense because the character, for that matter, is not that original either,
0: so. Right, right, absolutely, that, that, well, I, I know that is going to make for a great conversation, though, because, hey, that's what we do here, we talk about what, what it, uh, what it, what other movies it reminds us of, what, what it may have been inspired by, so why don't we jump in and get to your first puzzle piece for Bloodshot?
1: Boy, you know, I, I think when you really break it down, this, this movie, it's hitting upon that whole. that whole motif, archetype, story trope, whatever you want to call it, of the um, of the person who is the hero, if you will, who is working for a totalitarian bad guy, if you will, and sure. this character basically his moral compass gets righted along the way, and he realizes that he has been manipulated by the people who he thought was good or who thought he was serving and so he turns on his superiors i mean and this entire that entire idea i mean that goes way back i mean you could even look at um ray bradbury's fahrenheit 451 i -hmm. mean that's basically what the character of montag is doing in uh fahrenheit 451 and i mean and you can i mean there's countless movies where you can um tie back to that particular trope um but i mean if you look at it uh let's see robocop I mean that certainly tied in with that entire idea. Um, sure. Mario Van Peebles did one back in the '90s called Solo. Uh, that was pretty much the the exact same thing. And then, of course, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not to plug my own show, but uh, I, I think uh, my first puzzle piece is uh, Universal Soldier uh, oh, with yeah. uh, with Dolph Lundgren and uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Of course, I think that right there um, was. Maybe not so much the movie, but I think it was used for the uh, for the comic book on which this was based as uh, as inspiration. Basically, you have these killing machine soldiers who are being manipulated to um, carry out missions. And then they realize along the way that mm, something is not quite kosher here. Something isn't right. And so they, of course, are going to um, start making up their own minds and uh, and a lot of carnage is going to follow. So.
0: Sure. Absolutely. And so, okay, here's a question. You know, these comics did, uh, did this comic book originate after, uh, universal soldier or before it was around the same time. Okay.
1: So I was actually really looking forward to talking about this with you actually, okay, when you and I were talking about this, I was really looking forward to kind of going back and, um, and just reliving the nostalgia of this particular comic book. So, Uh, basically, and I don't know, did you collect comics back in the, uh, comic collecting heyday? I was never a big comic guy, no. Okay. But you're a vinyl guy, right? You're, you're into, yeah. like, vinyl and things, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up around that, so I, I've always had a, a collection, an ever-growing collection of that stuff. Okay,
1: okay. So you're a collector in a sense. So, sure. So, yeah. So with regard to comics, there was, um, you, if you look it up, it's called the, uh, the comic collecting boom. Okay, mm-hmm. and so this was, and this all kind of ties in really well with bloodshot. If if, if you bear with me, um, mm-hmm. but basically, back in the early '90s, it was about '90, let's say 1990 to '92, '93, or whatever. There was a huge boom, huge, gigantic boom in collecting comic books. Um, it was actually around the same time, same thing with trading cards, baseball cards, uh, football cards, even uh, comic-based mm-hmm. cards, and the thing. The, the the reason for this uh, around this time was is because people had started realizing in this period in the 90s that, you know, these 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 comic books were worth money. OK, if you held mm-hmm. on to them long enough, they, you know, would retain a value that you could use to cash in on. And so as a result, what a lot of people were doing, and this was the rise of comic shops and trading card shops and things like that, is a lot of these companies we putting out tons of issues, tons of number ones of various characters. Number ones was always the big one, because if you had a number one, that was the one that was uh, that was theoretically going to send your kid to college or whatever. Totally. OK, <laughs> so <laughs> you had people uh, going in, in droves to comic shops and buying, you know, tons of uh, number one issues. And of course, the companies were keyed were um, in tune with this as well. So the companies were mm. putting out. um chrome covers and foil covers and everything like that to sure. you know, kind of to to kind of, you know, um b- get the attention of the collectors if you will. The problem with this was, and I'm sure you can uh, like I said attest to this with, you know, the collecting of vinyl, the problem with this was is the comics that were of value were the golden age ones, okay? The ones from like the 30s on to the 60s. And the reason why those retained a value is because let's face it when those comics were published Okay, I don't think there was really the knowledge that they were going to be worth anything. So as a result, um they were few and far between, so those were the issues that, you know, people wanted to hold on to, okay? Yeah, absolutely. The scarcity. Um, exactly. So but what these companies were doing is they were putting out millions upon millions of issues. Well, that's not going to retain the value, okay? So, kind of like with vinyl, right? I mean, I think a lot exactly. of artists they'll they'll do a limited pressing of, you know, 200 or whatever, that right there is a collector's item. That has value. But if you're going to, you know, put out hundreds upon thousands of books, well, you know, that's not going to stand. And sadly, no. if uh, if you look at the uh, the boom from the 90s, pretty much, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I'd say about 98% of the stuff that was published back in this period is worthless now. It's yeah. not even worth the cover price that it was. Um, I only bring this up because... Back in this period, a bunch of publishers came out of the uh, uh, came out of the woodwork to kind of cash in on this collecting craze. One of those publishers that came out was known as uh, a Valiant Comics, and what Valiant Comics mm. did is they pretty much were stealing from DC and Marvel. They kind of wanted to create their own universe, okay, the Valiant Universe. And so there was a character called Exo War, who was a uh, uh, pretty much a ripoff of Iron Man if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was another one called archer and armstrong which was pretty much a buddy cop story and then there was bloodshot okay um and bloodshot was if you look at the if you look at the 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 character okay it's pretty much um like i said earlier he's a little bit of deadpool because he has these swords he's a little bit of cable and the punisher because he has all these machine guns and then he has this white skin and these red eyes and um he was uh he looked cool. I'll give it that. And, um, I will admit I did buy issue one. And when I, (laughs) when this movie was getting ready to be released, um, unfortunately I was not able to get it, get to it in theaters in time, but I did dig through my, um, my stash of comic books and I was able to find issue one and I did read it. Hadn't read it in about 25, 26 years, (laughs) whatever. Um, but I did pick it up. And I did read it in preparation for this. And I'll admit right now, David, it's it's really not that well written. It's not that good.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's uh, hard, hard to believe that the movie uh, would be tied to something like that. But, (laughs) you know, and when I found out that was my that was the weird
1: thing, too, when I found out that this movie was even in production and they got Vin Diesel, it was really odd. It was really weird, like like you're going to. Obviously, okay. Look, franchises are selling Hollywood today. That's what um, that's what everyone wants into, especially comic based properties. But it was sure, just kind exactly. of odd that they were going with this, you know, fairly obscure character that I don't think anyone really even knew about outside of collectors, for that matter. Now, having said that, um, out of all the titles that came out of Valiant, I believe Bloodshot is the one that is still around and still being uh, published. I think some various trade paperbacks have been put out within the past few years. And so he does have his fans and he does have his readers. So I'm not going to say I'm the biggest expert, but I do have that issue number one. And I, uh, I did did
0: and it's not worth anything. So <laughs> I mean, I get it why the uh, why the studio would want to, you know, try to create a, you know, another extended universe out of, you know, this ran- se- sort of random, uh, you know, kind of C grade comic series. Um you know, because this is the thing now is these universes, even, you know, uh, just before the shutdown of the theaters, um, you know, Universal and Blumhouse had this big hit with the Invisible Man. And now, boom, we're back in. We're getting, you know, these classic horror movie remakes are going to start happening if, you know, if the world of Hollywood survives the shutdown. But, uh, yeah. you know, when, when it seemed like that was all but over after the uh, the disaster that was The Mummy, now it's back on. And immediately they're going to jump into Green lighting as many connected things as they possibly can, you know, it's like, because they know that once they get one, they can try to just start, you know, knocking them one after another after another. So it makes sense to, to try to reach into this, even though it's not, you know, really quite the pedigree that the Marvel or the DC is. Yeah. And I think Sony knew that as well. Because if you looked at the marketing, I thought
1: this was really interesting. If you look at it, the marketing, they they clearly know that what they have is sure, maybe it's a cool character, but they know that it's not something that I think is as commonplace and common knowledge as say an Iron Man or a Spider-Man or whatever. Because if you look at right. all of the marketing, every poster, every trailer, everything, it says almost in as big of a font as Vin Diesel's name, it says based on the best-selling comic series. Just to let you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah.
0: By <laughs> the way, so- this is one of those guys seriously, yeah we we swear
1: yeah and i remember reading i remember reading that uh yeah basically sony uh they they bought the valiant universe so i Mm -hmm. think they were (laughs) i think they were hoping that if bloodshot did really well then that they would green light an exo manowar movie and an archer and armstrong movie and trying to think what else came out of valiant there was another weird one called magnus robot fighter or whatever um unfortunately (laughs) considering the uh the, the shutdown of the theaters and what happened, I don't think we're going to get any more Valiant-based properties. <laughs> so, yeah, which I, I don't think, yeah, which I <laughs> I don't think there's going to be too many uh, um, hurt feelings over that. But um, it is interesting. <laughs> and with regard to what Universal did with uh, with The Mummy, like you said, I just thought, I thought that was just, it was extremely ballsy for them to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's really, it's one thing with, the Avengers, where Marvel, they uh, they earned it. If you remember, they did their Iron Man movie, and then they had that little teaser at the end to kind of wet people's excitement to see if that's what people wanted. And then they put mm-hmm. out another one. And then they put out another one. But to, you know, basically put one movie out there and then just say, hey, we're starting a universe, guys. Yeah. You, you know, with without even seeing the ticket sales of that, it's like, wow, you're really counting your chickens there, aren't you? Like...
0: And look how look how well it works. It, it, yeah, I know. Spoiler alert: it, it does not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna start jumping into some puzzle pieces of mine. And so I I do want to say though before I get to my first one, um, when I when I watched this movie, uh, first of all, I watched it at home. Uh, I I had joked online uh, uh, about my dad wanted to watch it, so he bought it on our shared uh, uh, Amazon Prime account. And so now I own Bloodshot, you know, lucky me. Uh, It's better than owning cats. Yeah, I guess that is true. But um, I I don't normally do this, but I was just kind of, you know, sitting at home watching the movie. Normally, I, you know, mostly are doing theatrically released movies. I wait till the movie's over make some notes of things that come to mind. I was just kind of sitting there jotting down, you know, ideas as I was going through the movie chronologically. So my pieces are going to be a little bit weird. They're just kind of going to be based off of... Things that I noticed while I was watching the movie chronologically, beginning to end. So uh, that being said, when we're first introduced to the the first, uh, you know, spoiler alert, first form of the bad guy, um, he is doing a little dance number that is, you know, straight out of the classic Michael Madsen reservoir dog scene. Um yeah. so just but instead of uh instead of, you know, that that song he's dancing to that psycho killer song. I, I forget who sings that. Um I'm drawing a blank right now. But yeah, it, it's a similar thing though, just showing how crazy the guy is by uh by his doing something, you know, so horrible and, and uh you know uh you know, just crazy while, you know, dancing around to to a pop song. So I I just was totally reminded of that.
1: Well, you know, that scene reminded me of, actually, and again, Mm.
0: going along with
1: that whole idea of a uh, of your soldier who's being manipulated by the bad guys and wants to turn on them. Um, But did you ever see Gamer with Gerard Butler? You know, I don't think I ever actually saw that. You know, it's 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 very trashy. So just know that yeah. going in. It's very <laughs> trashy. It's, it's actually I think it's kind of a fun movie. I think it's 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 really kind of cool. And um, that one, I think, has a little more originality to it than this one did. But the main bad guy in that one um, and the actor, the actor is escaping me, but he was the lead on that show, Dexter.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Michael C. Michael, Hall? Is that his name? Hall. Michael C.
1: Hall. Michael C. Yeah. Hall. Yeah. So he plays yeah. the, the villain in that one. And there's a scene as well where he does this huge dance number right before he does something diabolical. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that's what that's what it reminded me of. But I, I do like the uh, the Michael Madsen reference there.
0: Oh, just classic! Brian, we were talking about that earlier today. It's just such a such a great scene. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, what do you got for your next piece then?
1: Well, you know, I mentioned I mentioned Universal Soldier. Okay, and and mm-hmm. and it, you're obviously you're familiar with the with the first Universal Soldier.
0: Sure. Okay. Have you seen any of the sequels? maybe that's a big, maybe on my part, uh, possible rentals back in the day, but definitely saw the first one though. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. So, okay. So yeah, while this film is, um, very, uh, very much akin to the original universal soldier, um, the fourth universal soldier movie. Yes, they did okay. make four universal soldier movies. Um, but the film bloodshot is, I looked at it, to be honest, David, it is a shameless ripoff of uh universal soldier day of reckoning, which is the fourth okay. one in the universal soldier franchise. And I imagine, I don't know who is listening to this or um, anybody out there. I think I may have been one of the only people who was watching bloodshot saying this is the exact same thing as, <laughs> as universal soldier day of reckoning, that film that went direct to video six years ago. Um, <laughs>
0: but yeah, it, right. it really
1: is <laughs> basically in, um, in, in universal soldier day of reckoning the the lead character in that one is uh scott Atkins, who's an amazing martial artist and rising action star in the genre but basically in that one he is a universal soldier who is being brainwashed by um by the government by this program that's running him and basically what they are doing is they are fabricating a, a false reality where he is waking oh, up from a yeah. coma believing that his wife and daughter were killed right before his eyes. And so he is going out to um, exact revenge on the villain. And I put villain in quotes, because the film really kind of throws you for some loops. Um, But he believes that it's Jean-Claude Van Damme, who is the one who killed his family. So the entire movie is he's trying to track down Jean-Claude Van Dam. Only spoiler alert, he finds out that it was not Van Damme who really did it and that he never even really had a family or a wife for that matter. Um, It was all the government kind of manipulating him so that they could, so they could task him with taking out a a greater threat to their organization, Mm. if you will. And, it's funny just talking about it because it is the exact same thing as bloodshot. I mean,
0: it's... Well, people at home, if you can hear that scratching noise, that is me crossing out a clever twist uh, from my <laughs> notes list. <laughs> Cause apparently it's been used before that twist. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, check
1: out universal soldier one. Um, and then uh, yeah, you can check out the fourth one and it's, it's, it's pretty much, you know what? If, if you look at bloodshot, Bloodshot is the PG
0: thirteen rated version of Day of Reckoning. There you go. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, I did notice there is literally hundreds and hundreds of people killed in this movie, and not an ounce of blood. <laughs> that's
1: the... yeah, That's PG thirteen oh for
0: you. Not only is that PG thirteen for you, that's Sony
1: for you. I feel yeah. like Sony. You know, they 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 run scared, man. I mean, I'm sure you saw Venom, right? Did you yeah. see Venom? Sure. Venom should have been a should have been a hard R. You know what I mean? It worked with Deadpool. It worked with Logan. Venom should have been an R rated movie. And then it's like they got Cold Feet a few months before release, and they they made it PG thirteen. Um, but Sony does that all the time. To be honest, I'm surprised that the latest Bad Boys movie was was R. I'm surprised they didn't put that PG (laughs) thirteen.
0: Yeah, that is pretty surprising. Well, I will go on to my uh my next one, and so, like I said, going just right in chronological order, still still in the beginning of the movie, still with that first uh, bad guy scene. Uh, his weapon, that bolt gun thing he's using, totally reminded me of "No Country for Old Men" and the uh, bolt the bolt shot. that uh anton Shigur uses Uh, i i don't know that i've seen that in many other action movies so it kind of jumped out at me and then it is kind of referenced uh later in the movie you know uh that oh i've seen this in so many you know different movies you know you're you're you've run out of movie tropes to you know to copy and all of his little simulations so it made me think almost like yeah they are actually taking ideas out of other movies I actually really liked that line. I thought that too, because the entire time
1: I was watching this, I was thinking, you know, I mean, granted I did have fun with it as well because, you know, (laughs) I, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the Van Damme and Dolph guy. So (laughs) I, I loved universal soldier, you know, so of course I'm going to enjoy this, but I was thinking that as well. I loved that line where he's saying we ripped off all all sorts of script ideas. And I was thinking, okay, that makes sense. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) It, it, it makes sense in this. Um, Yeah yeah no it, it definitely it definitely helps to uh you know to to keep it to a certain level where it's kind of like oh maybe it's not just you know bad and maybe they actually are trying to go for something yeah <laughs> so uh what do you got for your next piece
1: well you know okay so i already said i already said universal soldier um robocop i already mm-hmm. said as well but i feel like robo robocop is kind of the uh the template and the blueprint for this type of movie. Um, Mm -hmm. The first RoboCop, I don't really want to acknowledge RoboCop two or three, because those ones are pretty (laughs) terrible. Um, Mm -hmm. But the first one I think is such a classic. Um, The thing that I think RoboCop has over this one is there's such a level of humanity with the character Mm -hmm. of Alex Murphy that is so tragic in so many ways. And with this one, I never got that, that kind of um, that, that kind of emotional gravity. That um, mm-hmm. that I did with RoboCop and there's there's other reasons for that, of course. Um, but that was the other the the big one that I think everyone is going to notice.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I can, you know, 100 percent see that. And, you know, the uh, you know, the character trying to, you know, keep some piece of his, you know, humanity and all that in there. Um, but I'm going to go for my next piece, which, uh, is a very obvious one. You, you mentioned it earlier in talking about the comics and all that, but that's Deadpool. Uh, (laughs) you know, this character, again, I knew nothing about him going into it, but as I'm you know, getting acquainted to, you know, what exactly his superhero thing is, what his abilities and power and all that is, uh, you know, it became pretty clear, like, oh, this is just a different comics universe version of Deadpool. Uh, A guy who can't die is constantly just regenerating and uh, can basically do pretty much anything uh, and can't get killed no matter, you know, explosions at point-blank range and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so... I aside from the fact that they didn't go there with the comedy, which I don't know about the, uh, the comic book character himself, if there was really a lot of comic comedy, uh, mixed in or not, but certainly with the, uh, the abilities and all that it reminded me of Deadpool. A lot. I actually really appreciated that, that they
1: didn't go full on comedy. Th- there were some moments where they could have. Um, but I was actually really glad. I mean, if you want to, I mean, we already mentioned it, but if you look at venom, for example, okay. Sure. Um, Venom, you know, I like I said, I, I feel like that should have been an R. But there are so many moments in that movie where the, there's comedy thrown in. And some would argue, I guess some who saw it and liked it, maybe they would say that they thought it worked. I personally didn't think it worked. I personally didn't think it belonged in that particular movie, in that particular universe, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I think it, it it really stood out. So I was appreciative of the fact that they kept this relatively serious
0: for all ninety-five minutes, yeah, for sure. I, I, and I think that kind of plays to uh, Vin Diesel's strengths, also, because he's mm-hmm. not exactly the most charismatic actor. And so, <laughs> to try to to try to force him to be, you know, throwing one-liners everywhere would kind of maybe not work as well. Uh, yeah. what, what what he does well is just, you know, be be a uh, you know a wrecking machine, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of what attracted Vin Diesel to this because, again, it, it's really kind of weird, you know. And I'm, I'm really going to be interested when this whole pandemic thing is over and the movie theaters open. It's really going to be interesting to see the type of movies that are in theaters and thriving because I was talking about this the other day with a buddy. Um, it's pretty much franchises anymore. I think sure. are yeah anything original or you know that's not based on a comic book property or something that's already existing. I think those studios are going to cut their losses and just release that straight to VOD, straight to digital. I think that's the safer um bet, especially after all this is is done.
0: So it only makes a nightmare.
1: I know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um but I think that's kind of what attracted Vin Diesel to this is he said, you know, I'm not going to do a Vin Diesel impression right now or anything. <laughs> but I think he kind of said, look, my biggest hits are those franchises. Okay, are Fast and the Furious and Riddick, if you want to call that with them, one of success, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. so I think he looked at this and he said, hey, a comic book based property. okay? well, let's do it. You know, from from the House of Valiant. We've all heard of Valiant Comics.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's only so many times they can get him as Groot. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. There's this other franchise. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder how much he makes for that to just say I am Groot. I don't know. Yeah, I I yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. What do you got for your next piece?
1: Well, you know, I what's interesting is, okay, have you seen any of the images of what the character looks like in the comic books?
0: I was actually just uh bringing up a few of those pictures just as we started talking. Um, but not until that very moment, no. But yeah, so I see th- the whole white thing. Yeah, and that's the thing that really
1: bothered me about this one is you know oh gosh how i heard one review i read one review and i can't remember what online publication i saw it from but they said something along the lines of um this movie feels like one of the superhero movies from the 90s that was embarrassed to be based on a superhero comic book and for i think sure. that is that is really telling and really interesting so my puzzle piece for this one is have you seen um have you seen Dolph
0: Lundgren's The Punisher from 1989? I don't think I ever have. I there's a possibility I rented it back in the day, but I, I know about it though. Like I okay. know of its existence. <laughs> so it's, it's it's quite good. It's actually I think a lot of people
1: now look upon it as being one of the best versions of The Punisher. But what is yeah. notable about it? What has been so notable about it for the past 25, 30 years almost is the fact that he doesn't have his trademark skull okay so here is mm. here's the movie about the Punisher that doesn't have the trademark skull and for a while it was for the longest time it was that small fact that to, to some I guess would consider it to be a, a big driving factor but it was because of that that way so many of the comic fans just put the movie in the uh, in the trash pile you know how dare they sure. do a movie the Punisher where he didn't have the skull and at the time you gotta you gotta imagine at the time that came out um, I think the producers of the at the time were thinking, well, you know, comic based movies other than at the, you know, they had Superman. And I think Batman was in production around that time. But it's not sure. like comic based movies were the big moneymaker that they are nowadays. And so I think, yeah, no, I think what New World Pictures, that was the company who uh, was behind uh, the Punisher. I think they were of the mentality. Well, it's going to look kind of silly if he wears the, the skull. OK. Yeah. And so as a result, the character did not have the skull. Now, if you look at you know, 2019, 2020, when this movie was being produced and made, that's the thing I don't understand. Comic-based movies, superhero movies, are selling in Hollywood now. And so yeah. that's the thing that was kind of weird to me is you're going to have a movie based on Bloodshot, this character that has a pretty slick and cool look, where he has that white in the comics, it's like a white and gray skin, and he has the red eyes. And you'd think that they would do something with that, and they only do it in those final 10 minutes and it's not even it's not even for 2 minutes. I mean, right, again, I'll give yeah. another spoiler, but we really don't even get to see him adopt his iconic look until the final few minutes of the film and I think the rationale that the, that they used was he he became all white because the nanobites were forming and regenerating on his body. That's why he was all white at that moment, right? Right, I think so. Yeah. So in the comic books he's already White skin, red eyes, kicking ass, beating the shit out of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? And in the film, it's it's weird because it's almost like they that's what I thought of as well. I thought that the producers were thinking, oh, wait a minute, if we give him the white skin and the red eyes, then suddenly this is going to look a little too silly and a little too comic bookish. Let's scale it back. And I'm thinking to myself, in my opinion, it's an obscure character as is that everyone knows the white skin. Why would you, you know what I mean? Why would you uh take that away
0: sure yeah you know i it that actually makes me wonder while this movie was in production were they like internally thinking about it as their next big comic book movie production or their next big vin diesel movie production because vin diesel is you know it's kind of an anomaly the fact that he's not a particularly good you know, actor, and you know, it doesn't have that great of a presence, but his movies make so much money when not a lot of action stars make money anymore. You know, so yeah. I wonder if this is this is looked at as as a new Vin Diesel property or as a new comic book property. You know, I don't know, I, I don't know, but I mean, if you want to go to, I mean, if you want to look at
1: 1995, Sylvester Stallone did the movie uh, Judge Dread. And sure. he, you know, for a good majority of that movie, which uh, I know judge dread, a lot of people are not fans of. I enjoy it actually, but a lot of people aren't fans of it. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at that one, he still wears the signature costume. He still wears the signature helmet. Granted, he does take yeah. it off more than the character did. Um, but he still has those, those characteristics that are associated with that particular, um, character. And so, yeah, I just thought that was a uh, very bizarre that, uh, that Sony's going to buy the rights to these particular comic properties, and then they're not even going to have it look like the uh, like the source material, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm gonna go for my next piece, um, and this one has been invalidated a little bit by your Universal Soldier Four Day of Reckoning piece, but <laughs> but uh, it is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind uh, because of the uh, ability to go in and change memories and you know alter uh, what people what people think they remember about things, and so of course in this you you know using it for The purpose of turning this guy into a into a uh, killing machine soldier, and so, you know, obviously very different reasonings behind why they're playing with memories in the two different movies. But uh, I just thought it was an interesting interesting aspect to bring into an action movie like this. That is, I mean,
1: you're going, uh, you're bringing uh, culture to a uh, to (laughs) what is what is a silly uh uh action movie uh franchise kickstarter if you will yeah i could certainly see that i haven't i haven't seen eternal sunshine of the spotless mind in in quite a while actually but uh but yeah no i like that awesome awesome
0: all right well uh i only have one more piece after this what do you have for your next one i actually have
1: one more as well and it actually came to me about five ten minutes before we started recording um sweet neil marshall's 2000 was it 2008 Give me a minute. Yeah, Neil Marsh's 2008 film uh, Doomsday. Have you seen Doomsday? I haven't seen that one. Oh, you need to get out and see Doomsday. Doomsday, going along with the whole idea of how this film is very unoriginal, the same thing goes with Doomsday. Same thing with Doomsday. (laughs) I don't think Doomsday has an original bone in its body whatsoever, but that does not make it uh, a ton of fun to watch um i think with doomsday what neil marshall did okay is he said what were all of my favorite movies that i like to watch you know throughout the 70s and the 80s and everything and he he pretty much played mad libs with it where he took a little (laughs) bit of escape from new york he took a little bit of mad max he took you know all these different apocalyptic you know worlds and then and then he threw it all in a pot OK, and then he started writing the script and then he said to himself, you know what this is missing is it's missing a climax in a medieval castle. Let's throw that in there as well. (laughs) he threw that in there as well um you know that
0: that actually sounds like it would be a great addition you know we've been doing this missing pieces series here on the show uh where we're picking movies from the last 20 30 years to do episodes on just because there's not any you know not many theatrically released movies for us to cover now so maybe we should have you back to do an episode on this movie i should watch it oh my god doomsday is amazing it is amazing it's
1: it's (laughs) it's ridiculous i mean and it's and if you watch i mean it's you're you're gonna watch it you're gonna say okay they they took the premise of Escape from New York and they mm-hmm. mixed it with Mad Max. And like I said, mm-hmm. they threw in some medieval castles and whatnot at the end. Oh, and a little bit of how could I forget? They throw in a little bit of Fast and the Furious as well, because the final the final 10 minutes is a massive uh, car chase with a really sweet Porsche. I mean, so Fantastic. but it's, it, it's so kind of cool <laughs> seeing Neil Marshall just it's like he's it's like he's being a chef if you will. And he's Mm -hmm. doing, he's putting a little bit of this ingredient, a little bit of here. And he's like, I'm going to have fun with it. I feel, feel like that is kind of what, um, what bloodshot did. I'd say, I think I had a little more fun with doomsday, but you know, Hey, yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I will go to my final piece then. And we talked a little bit about Venom earlier in just talking about, you know, all these random comic book movies, but, uh, a movie that a lot of people said was just like Venom, uh, Upgrade from Lee Uh uh, yeah. Which is a really fun movie from just a few years ago and uh, you know has a very similar venom concept of this voice being in his head and and uh, this this chip that's you know kind of helping control what the main character can do in fighting against these people who want it back. And uh, so th- there's the, a lot of that going on in Bloodshot with, uh, you know, the, the scientists are able to speak to him through, you know, neural connection. And, and then with all of those, uh, the chips and machinery being able to help enhance what he's able to do. And then, of course, also with not being able to trust the scientists who um, are responsible for turning him into what he's become. So uh, I, I felt a little bit of uh, a little bit of that kind of a thing going on here. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned Doomsday cuz I was actually talking about that with with a
1: buddy the other day as well. Um, or not Doomsday, excuse me, Upgrade. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still sure. thinking about yeah. Doomsday. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, with regard to Upgrade, yeah, I saw when Upgrade came out, I loved it. I I thought that was yeah. just such a really cool take on it. It was it was really low budget and had this kind of really scrappy kind of Um, look to it and everything, but it was, I thought it was really well done. It's interesting to me about that one, how that one was distributed by Blum's, uh, Blumhouse. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's, it's wild to me how Blumhouse, they're pretty much leading the market in terms of horror cinema today. It seems like that, um, you know, everything that they have coming out in terms of horror um, is, is coming from uh, Blumhouse. But interestingly their least successful film is the one that i liked best and that was upgrade i thought that was uh that that, that's always been interesting but that was not a success shame
0: yeah yeah that's crazy i i wonder if it's i mean well i guess most of them are original ideas and so yeah i don't i don't know what would make it that way but uh, that's really strange yeah Very strange. Well, all right, uh, let's go ahead and do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts on the movie. Uh, Finished puzzle for Bloodshot includes Universal Soldier, Reservoir Dogs, Universal Soldier 4, Day of Reckoning, uh, No Country for Old Men, RoboCop, Deadpool, The Punisher, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Doomsday, and Upgrade. So, uh... We, you know, with this list and with the things we've been talking about with this movie, I mean, you know, I feel like even though I didn't, I certainly didn't love this movie, I, I thought it was pretty ridiculous and I thought it was really slow to start. Um, I do think that they were going for something. I will give them that for sure. I, I'm not sure what this director, Dave Wilson, has done before this, uh, in terms of, you know, uh, if he's more of an action guy or what, but, you know, clearly, clearly they were going for something we mentioned earlier that that kind of almost throwaway line about, you know, oh, you used every, you know, movie cliche in the book or whatever in rewriting uh, these scenarios for Vin Diesel to play out. And I think that shows that they they knew they were going for something specific. They didn't, you know, they didn't accidentally, uh, you know, come up with that. I think that I think that they were they're fans of this kind of cinema at the very least.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I I will say right now, um if they made a sequel to this, because I think this had a we didn't talk about it, but I think this had a really cool ending. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and I don't know if you want to give it away, but the the way I thought the way it ended, it certainly opened up for what I think could have been a pretty cool sequel. And I'll say it right now, I <laughs> and I'm probably going to be in the minority on this one. I think I would rather see the continued adventures of Bloodshot certainly than I would um, uh, Dominic Toretto. (laughs) You know, I feel for me, at least, I think those stories have been told and even Riddick. I I never really found the character of Riddick to be, I mean, it it is, it is kind of original, but um, I, I, I I could care less about that one. So I would watch another sequel if they decided to go forward with it.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I certainly think it's set up well for it. I, I, You know, whether or not it's going to happen, that's a whole other story. But I do think you're right in that it is set up well, where there is something to explore moving forward with the character and the world that they kind of put together with this. Yeah. So any other uh, closing thoughts before we wrap it up?
1: You know, we didn't talk about it, but I will say right now, I thought the the director of photography on this one, especially in terms of lighting, there was really Mm -hmm. just one scene in particular, but the shootout in the tunnel.
0: Mm, I thought
1: thought it was just beautiful to look at those neon, that neon red and that neon blue and everything. Mm. I thought that was just really well, uh, really well lit. And it just looked really, really cool to look at Um, that. It was at that moment in the film where I was kind of like, okay, this is feeling like a comic book movie now. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) But I was, I was surprised and I'm really surprised in a lot of the reviews. No one else is really picking up on that. Maybe I'm, I guess maybe I'm just a little too easy to please in some senses but I just thought I just thought that was a really a well done scene there
0: I think people just wanted to shit on this movie from, from the get go just because of what it is and because it's Vin Diesel. But I I actually uh, just before this quarantine I, I just total, you know, lucky timing, but I happen to have just got a new T V and so when I watched this it's uh it's in like four K Ultra H D and all that and yeah, that the it it's a good looking movie, I'll say that for sure. I'll give it many points for that alone for the, the lighting and for uh the cinematography it, it looks really cool on the tv i'll tell you that yeah yeah now yeah. well uh right on man this was a lot of fun uh, i i don't know if we were doing this last time you were on the show but i now ask my guests to recommend another movie they watched recently is there have, have you watched something while you're stuck in quarantine that you'd uh <laughs> you'd recommend does it have to be something new or it can be something from a while ago? It could be something from a while ago, as long as you watched it recently.
1: Yeah, I, okay, so, again, my, maybe my tastes are a little bit different, but th- there's not much, I think, new, at least, I mean, of course, you know, I did see Tiger King, and I think, like, everyone's talking about that, so I'm not going to go into that one. But I actually watched one mm. from 1995 that I feel still holds up that I think is a ton of fun called Money Train. I watched that the other night with uh Wesley Snipes and, uh, uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, Jennifer Lopez actually in one of her very first oh, movies yeah.
0: that, I loved that, that movie, back in high school
1: yeah that movie <laughs> I saw that back in uh, high school as well and just on a whim I went through my massive dvd collection and was like I eh, haven't seen this in a while It, it it really I think it still holds up it's a ton of fun Robert Blake is a totally despicable villain. Um, Chris Cooper turns up as a uh, pretty whacked out um, gross villain as well. Right. And just the chemistry. Yeah. I think that's what sells it is the chemistry between um, Wesley and Woody. Uh, that's how I think it was marketed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, but it really is. Um, it really is. a. It, it's not, you know, the highest art, if you will. But it is a really um,
0: cool, uh, cool little film. Haven't seen that in forever, but yeah, I, I remember I used to love that. It was a great movie back in the day. I, I should I should rewatch it one of these days. But uh, right on, man! This was uh, this was a lot of fun. Why don't you tell people where they can uh, find your podcast?
1: Well, uh, we, we talked, uh, quite a bit actually about the films of, uh, a, co- a couple of the films, excuse me, of Dolph Lundgren and, uh, Jean-Claude sure. Van Damme. But if you're interested in, uh, uh, learning more about Mr. Lundgren or any of his films, I do the, uh, the Dolph Lundgren fan podcast called I Must Break This Podcast, where each month we take a look at uh, me and a special guest, um, deconstruct uh, one of the films in Dolph's, uh filmography in chronological order and
0: currently we are at 2006 for a second there, i thought you were going to say 2006 like movie number 2006 and i was oh like, no that's <laughs> no, that no. feels that feels impossible i don't know no, i'm sorry i'm <laughs> sorry no we are at the year
1: 2006 in his career um the latest episode that was uh posted was um the russian specialist and in between a lot of the uh um a lot of the film reviews, I've been fortunate to uh, have a couple uh, uh, director interviews. Yeah, you just had one uh, j- just recently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John Lide, who was the director of a 2015 film that he did called uh, Riot, actually. And back in early January, um, I was able to speak with Uva uh, Bowl. Nice. everyone knows the notorious director uva bowl uh that, that was a ton of fun getting to speak with him and so yeah the show's opened up a lot of doors i've gotten to meet some really cool people such as yourself and uh get to uh talk with a lot of people who've actually worked with mr lundgren over the years so that's awesome
0: well hey thanks so much for for doing the show again and i uh look forward to talking to you again one of these days man yeah most definitely take care I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason
1: Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including the Best Picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics, and more. Including the biggest flop. And this season we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well Got Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and AwesomeMovieYear.com. So please like us, subscribe. And uh, if you do like us, give us a five-star rating because we love you.
0: All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Bloodshot. Thank you to Sean Malloy for being here. Uh, Like I said in the intro, we do have a special follow-up to this episode coming up in a couple of days uh, with a special guest. So that's all I'll say, but keep an eye out for that. And uh, as always, if you enjoy the show, we'd love it if you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser where they're doing that 25-cent Meals on Wheels donation for every review left. So uh, I think that would be a great way for you to donate some money that you don't even have to donate the money. They donate the money for you just by leaving us a review. Go to Podchaser, search for piecing it together and leave us a rating. That would be awesome. If you did that, uh, you can also follow us on social media at piecing pod, join the Facebook group, popcorn and puzzle pieces. And you can also, uh, go support us on Patreon. That would be cool. We're doing a promotion right now on there where if you, uh, sign up for at least the $3 a month uh, Patreon level, you're going to get some advanced downloads of some of my new music that I've been working on. So I'm I'm getting ready to finish up a few of the tracks and I'm going to put them together into like a little free download thing. It's obviously not free you're paying monthly to Patreon, but it's a uh, thing exclusively for the people who do pay that subscription rate. And I really really appreciate the people who do that. It's incredible that there's some people out there who are subscribed. I thank them very much and I want to continue making some great content for you guys and I'm really excited about this new music that I've been working on. So, I'm going to be sharing more of that with you soon. I've already shared a couple of tracks on the show, but uh, there's already 12 tracks that I've started. I mean, I've got some really good stuff in the works. Really excited about it. So, uh I guess it's time to close this one out. And by the way, I'm really happy. Even though Bloodshot it's not the greatest movie in the world, let's just say that. It's good, but I mean, no, it's not good. But it was fun to talk about, let's put it that way. But I'm really happy, though, that there is... New movies coming out. Let's put it that way. New big movies. Because, of course, you're going to get these little, you know, little straight to VOD kind of movies. But this is a big movie. The kind of movie that would have a big blockbuster opening weekend at the theater. And the theaters are all closed. And we all miss going to the theater. If you love movies like I do, you miss going to the theater like I do. And so, uh, you know, it's not the same watching it at home. But just the fact that it's a big movie. And we're getting to see a new big movie that's exciting. So, you know, hopefully this thing isn't going to last that much longer. And we'll get to go back to the theater soon. But in the meantime, I do hope to be able to watch some some new big movies here and there. So let's uh, let's close this thing out with a piece of music, and uh, you know I've been teasing all the new stuff I'm putting out. But the newest stuff that I put out is the Beater original motion picture soundtrack, and I'm gonna play a track from that. Uh, this is a track from that from the actual film Beater. And it is called "Cycles." It's actually the first track on the album. It's a uh, it's a bit of a moody piece. It uh, sets the tone for the film "Beater," and uh, some of some of the elements that are on display within the track "Cycles." They kind of come and go, and like make their way through as a theme throughout some of the other tracks on the album on the on the score itself and so uh it's it's an important piece for the entire film and for the entire soundtrack so this is cycles which is from the film beater and it's on the beater original motion picture soundtrack which is my newest album that's available now on all the major digital music services so this is cycles from beater we'll be back with more piecing it together coming up next week Mm